This podcast is a ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Hatfield, Pennsylvania. And now, the message. So you also know that uh, this week was uh, unusual. I sent an email that I've never sent before announcing a resurrection or almost. Some of you know we were praying for Jeff. Uh, he, his, his mom passed away, and he found out the next day that uh, <laughs> that wasn't actually the case. And if you've ever had a loved one who is struggling with terminal illness, it is actually easy to understand how you think, I, I, you know, you think they're gone. And, but his mom is still alive. And what this does is gives him the chance to fly out and reconnect what has been an estranged relationship, not just with his mom, but with with her husband and with his sister and with some other family members. And uh, so some of you know that. So, uh, actually, a few of you have already called the minute that email went out. A few called and said, I want to help him get there. So God bless you. And uh, we're going to get him out there. But I guess uh, for us as a church, one of the other things, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to celebrate with Jeff. That's great. What a great opportunity. Some of you had a chance to reconnect with loved ones before they passed away. Some of you missed that opportunity. You know that regret. So you're, you're excited for them. But I guess for us as a church, the other piece is that it's kind of profound. It's about five years. Was it been five years, Jeff, I think? It, about five years ago, a, a, a gentleman called me from, from the West Coast. He said, my son lives there in Hatfield, and he, his life's a mess. He's really struggling, and he really needs the Lord. I'm trying to get him to show up at a church. And I was online looking, and, and I'm just wondering, like, I think you'd be a good church. If, he, if I can get him to show up, would you just keep an eye out for him? And of course, we said, yes, of course we will. So Christmas Eve, in walks this person. And uh, he thought that we were, you know, uh, prophetic or something. We just went, you're Jeff, you know. But that started the relationship. And just, Jeff came to faith, and he's been growing. And, 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 and so, so now, fast forward five years later, uh, five years ago, his dad called saying, would you help me as I try to minister to my son? And now on this trip out to California, um, that father and his son are going to be ministering together to other family members and bringing the gospel. I'm sorry, but that's renovation. Right? You want to celebrate that? Is that great? And, and as I tell that story, and I, I, because I have permission, I, I am well aware that that's not the only story here. Many of you have similar stories. We're just not sharing it publicly. And, and some of you are about two and a half years through that kind of a story, right in the middle of it. God is at work changing lives and renovating, tearing down stuff, rebuilding stuff. That's what this whole series has been about. And that there's such a parallel between you know, remodeling and renovation in a physical sense and what happens spiritually. Now, this whole series has caused me to enjoy watching some of those fixer-upper type shows so much more. I don't normally watch many of them, but now every time I hear one of those on, I kind of turn and listen, because over and over again, there are these great illustrations and great, like, oh, I know exactly what that's like. There's one that we watch where these folks are, are investing and hoping to resell property, and so you're, that's called flipping. And, uh, and apparently, you can flip a property, but sometimes the flip can become a what? Flop. Yeah, a flop, right? And these other stories, I mean, most of these TV shows, even as you watch them, you kind of wince because it seems so kind of 
fake and put together just for the sake of the story. And, and, and they probably are. That's okay. But at least on that show, apparently it is possible for them to make this big investment and in all this energy and time and then to actually lose money. And there's been a few times when they say, well, here's what we spent. This is what we had. And if we sold it, then we'd make this much. But so far, weeks in, we haven't had any offers. And I always think, I stop and listen and go, there actually is a little drama involved in flipping or doing those kind of renovation works. When you invest, sometimes it doesn't go the way you think. Now, when we started this series, to be fair, we, we were honest. We had the caveat. We said, every renovation brings with it a little bit of pain. There's pain from, from the work. There's pain from taking down things that, that need to be taken down and, and th losing things that we liked. And there's pain from the mess. We, so we did talk about pain. But to be honest, um, and I guess this morning I, what I want to do is I just want to I want to be honest with you, and, and when I think I see a flag on the field, when, I, when something doesn't make sense to me, I have to kind of talk about it. And perhaps you're going to relate to my struggle. You see, here we are talking about spiritual renovation. We sing songs. We lift our hands. We're, we tell stories about successes, and it sounds so good. The only problem would be if you are one of those people that right now in your spiritual life, that is not your experience then all of that hoopla feels awkward, feels conflicted. Now, you, you, you don't want to say it's not true. In fact, you want it to be true, but it's not true in your experience right now. You see, we read passages like uh, this passage from Psalm 1. If you have your Bible, you can open it up to about the middle of the Bible, or you can just follow along as we read. But Psalm 1 begins with this pretty familiar passage. It says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in the step of the wicked, nor stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Yay. Our team wins. And it's true. Our team wins. That doesn't mean you don't get hit by that huge lineman. It doesn't mean that you don't get tackled and buried. You see, we can celebrate the fact that things are supposed to go well, especially if you know the Lord and you're trying to live for him. Everything's supposed to be fine. And that's what the, the, the terrible thing is. Because that's not your experience, but you wish it were, we come to church, this place where we're supposed to be worshiping and thanking, and it's the worst experience of all because we feel so disingenuous. We feel so conflicted. Sometimes I raise my hands when I'm singing, and it's just up. I can't keep them down. And then there's times when I'm like, right, this... Barely up there. I want this to be true, but I'm not experiencing it. So I want to talk a little bit about something that happens in renovations. Failures. Sometimes renovations experience failures. They just don't work out, and we're going to explore that. 
There's an interesting passage in the book of Judges, at the beginning of Judges. Remember, uh, the Israelites were delivered from Egypt, and now they're moving into the promised land, and, and uh, Joshua takes over from Moses as the leader of the nation. And so at the very beginning of this story, then after that whole process, now we're getting into this time period in their life when um, the, the nation starts to cycle in and out of some sinful behaviors. But at the very beginning, we read this as they were moving into the land. It says in verse 19 of Judges 1, the Lord was with the men of Judah. Yay! You sing the song, clap, hallelujah. You see, he had taken them into the land. They took possession of the hill country, but they were unable to drive the people from the plains because they had chariots fitted with iPads, or iron. <laughs> Does that strike you as a little strange? It says clearly that the Lord was with them, giving them victory. And yet, there were some that they could not move. They couldn't push them out. What's with that? Why in the world would God give them victory on the, in the hill country and then not in the plains? Why would God let iron chariots stop his people? It doesn't make sense. Do you think God has a problem handling iron chariots? I don't think so. And yet here it is. What does that passage tell you? What does the fact that it even exists tell you? At the very least, it tells me it's not always the way going to work out the way you thought, Mike. And so my first lesson, when I'm sitting there in the midst of saying, I want this all to be true, but right now I'm just feeling kind of, Ech, it just, uh, it just, uh, I've experienced some failures. Where's that victory? The first thing I hear in my mind is, just remember, it doesn't always look the way you expect it. Okay. It's not a big help, but at least it's something. So... I think it's important as we start a discussion of failure to make some distinctions. I think there are at least two kinds of failure that we're going to talk about, and I want to try to separate the two. The first type of failure is failure in a person's Christian life, failure in your Christian life. You have put your faith in Christ, and you've, you, you've heard these messages, and, and you know you're supposed to give your life to him. You want to live in a way that honors him and looks more like him. You understand the, the importance of prayer, the importance of reading God's word, fellowshipping and studying with other people, serving others, putting to death some parts of who we are, and putting on other parts of who Jesus is. But you haven't done it. You failed. Actually, we talked about this not long ago, right? The way to avoid failure in a Christian life is to keep doing the not-not walk. And you're like, well, that's weird. If you weren't here, it's okay. But there's, there's, there's a couple of passages that kind of pull that together. Remember, uh, first we talked about grieve not the Holy Spirit from Ephesians. And so the idea is don't do things that you know he says don't do. <laughs> and you're already going, okay, well, that's really easy to say. I did it. There's a fix. When we do the things we're not supposed to do, we confess those things to him, and he cleanses us. We talked about that. Grieve not, quench not. 
Well, how would you quench the Spirit? Well, I, I, you, you would sin. You'd do things God doesn't want you to do. But wait, that's what Grieve Not talked about. Ah, but what happens when we don't want to confess our sin? Either we like it too much, or we think, now I can't confess it because I've been doing it so often, he's sick of hearing my confession. Or frankly, you know, I've been doing it and nothing really has gone wrong, so I'm just going to keep sliding in under the radar, or whatever it is. Or, or the nature of addiction is, I wish I could stop. I hate this, but it just seems to keep happening. I don't feel like I'm in control. You see, grieving is cured by confessing. Quenching is when we say, stop talking to me. Stop convicting me. I am not going to do what I'm supposed to do. I am sick of it all. And we quench the spirit. And we learn the cure for that is to stop it, to yield. Give him leadership back. You, you do realize who you're arm wrestling with, right? I mean, when you think about it, it is pretty silly. You just have to figure out how to get alone and go, I don't know what I've been thinking. Like, I don't win. And get it right and yield to him. Grieve not, quench not, walk by the Spirit. Not not walk. And walking by the Spirit means just living our lives with an awareness that as we make all these little decisions, little and big, daily, routine, that each of them can be directed by the Spirit of God. So we're listening with, with a little earpiece in. There are so many positions in our culture where, who, whether it's, uh, there's just so many, you know, they're getting information as they go. You know, the, the Spirit of God is like that earpiece, and He's speaking to us, and He's guiding us if we listen. A little voice says, oh, you might want to step to the side right now. And we step to the side, and then we go, wow, no wonder why. Or sometimes we step to the side, and nothing happens. What was with that? He doesn't tell us, but He wants to speak into our lives. That's walking by the Spirit. And, of course, that includes the Word of God that we know and following the examples of people that are walking with the Lord. So one kind of failure is failure in your Christian life. Gee, we just said that. So this failure happens when we sin and don't confess, when we resist his leadership and we don't yield. Sin in, the in a Christian life. But that's not the kind of failure I want to talk about today. We've already talked about that. There's another kind of failure, and it's failure that happens in the life of a Christian. You catch the subtle difference? We are no longer talking necessarily about your and my Christian life, our spiritual life. What we're saying is failure happens in the life of a Christian. This is, goes back to that passage in Judges. Well, wouldn't it make sense if God blessed us like crazy? Wouldn't that be like good PR? Everyone who goes to church, everyone that follows Jesus, knows the gospel, that we are the wealthy, we are the healthy, we are, wouldn't it be great? Who, what a great sales program. In fact, I explain this to Jesus often. That, I just want you to try this. I think it would work. People, everybody would want to follow you. Instead, failure happens in our lives. Happened in Judges, happens in your life. But this is where we have to pause and say, that's where we start to feel the conflict. Because when it happens, it's not pleasant. 
So we begin to ask, wait, 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 wait. What, what just happened and why did it happen? Let's unpack that a little bit this morning before we go on. In Proverbs 24, we read, for though the righteous fall seven times, they rise again. Now, if you're an optimist or a pessimist, you look at this verse different. The optimist says, good Sunday school answer, see, no matter what, you always get up. The pessimist says, yeah, but look, even the righteous fall over and over and over again. Both things are true. Why would God allow that to happen? So if, if you allow, can we just think through this logically for a little bit this morning? Because I don't know about you, but I've experienced failure. Not just in my life. I experienced failure this week. Some of us have experienced failure today. What, what do we do with that? So let's, let's analyze that for just a moment. First of all, we have to acknowledge this, that sometimes failure happens because God cannot bless us because we're walking in disobedience. This goes back to the not-not walk. Sometimes we're not aware of the problem. We think we're good, but a failure, and, and, we're, and it stops us dead in our tracks, doesn't it? And we, we have this sick feeling in our gut. We're like, wait, this is just not right. That's not what I expected. What's going on? The truth is, we always want to stop and say, is it because you can't bless me right now? And we do a little bit of that reflection. The writer of Hebrews talks about this idea in Hebrews 12. He says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been tortured by it. <laughs> That's what it feels like. Trained by it. Is it an interesting? Those of you that you know work out with weight training, obviously I do. We lift weights, and you have a trainer. And you know what the trainer keeps doing? Just when you get good at a weight, he puts more on. I'm not going to succeed if you do that. <laughs> I do better with the 25 pounds I started with. And yet training requires failure. Sometimes it means God has to discipline us. He's going to stop everything because he wants us to listen to the Spirit of God. So sometimes we, he can't bless because we're walking in disobedience. He doesn't want to um, encourage that kind of behavior. He, he doesn't want to support it. He wants to stop it in its tracks. But sometimes there are failures in our life. In this renovation work, there's failures of materials. Now, some of you have been really busy at the, at the new campus. and uh, A lot of work being done. Boy, a lot of, by the way, thanks everybody for all, everybody who showed up yesterday. So much work getting done, really making great progress. And we really haven't experienced too much of this kind of material failure. Pretty much the stuff that we get, it's all working sort of, kind of, as long as we buy the right stuff or get the right length or whatever. Although, actually, come to think of it, you, do you realize what today is? Yeah. Today was the day that we thought we'd be moving in. 
We even announced it. We put it in writing. <laughs> Fail. Well, you say, oh, Mike, that's kind of strong. Well, it depends on how involved with this thing you are. Many, many of us feel like it's just a fail. Rats. It's always good if there's a fail to have somebody to blame. And that would be me. Or, or you can pick somebody else if you want. That's okay, too. Or, or uh, we, can, we, we, can blame, we can blame carpet people, paint people. We can paint township zoning. We can, we can accuse someone. Paint them with that whole X. Truth is, it's a fail, and it affects us. Here we sit. Not what we thought. In fact, maybe you, when you heard that we had to push a date back, maybe you went, what's wrong? Maybe the leaders aren't thinking. Maybe God's not blessing. Maybe he doesn't want this to happen. Why does this always happen to me? Everywhere I go. Sometimes materials fail. Stuff breaks. Saturday morning, I'm on my way to the church work day. I thought to myself, you know what? No, actually, it was Friday. I'm sorry. I was swinging by the property on Friday. I said, you know what? I don't want to show up without anything in, you know, gifts. So I stopped at Dunkin' Donuts, got a couple of big coffees, some donuts. Went back out to my car. It was pouring rain. I mean, remember those drops like this? <laughs> pouring rain. And I got in my car and it went click. <laughs> click. My first thought is, what? Of course, then I had to adjust that because when I just had my car worked on, the mechanic said, hey, by the way, your battery came in a little low. You want us to replace it? And I said, nah, it hasn't been a problem for me. <laughs> so for the first nanosecond, I was so, I was like, God, come on, I've got so much to do today, and I stopped here because I was just trying to encourage some people, and, come, and it's pouring rain. Are you kidding me? Do you know what it's like to jump this thing? In the God. So first I was upset with him until I remembered what the mechanic said. Then I'm like, what is wrong with me that somebody can even say, hey, by the way, and I go, ah, no problem. Click, 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 click. Stuff breaks. But I'm not going to lie to you. The thought crossed my mind. In fact, I think I said this out loud. I said, really, God? Why? Does that ever come out of your mouth? Really, God, why? And then as I thought about it, I realized, well, first of all, if, if he were to answer, he, he, I know what he would say because you refused to replace it when the guy told you to replace it. <laughs> but apart from that, he would say, Mike, things break. This isn't me acting against you. This wasn't me protecting you, and then I looked away for a minute, and oops, your battery slipped from my memory. It just happens. It's not directed to you personally. I find out that so much of the time, God really isn't quite as concerned about what we're going through as we thought. No, no, hear me. He's not as concerned with what we're going through as how we're going through it. 
See, these things happen. They happen to everybody. Things break. Batteries go dead. Roofs leak. That's why God is trying to redeem creation. He said sin would mess the whole thing up. He said that. We're still experiencing that. Not only do things break, but bodies decay. Which explains why, after a work day of painting, I have trouble getting off the couch. <laughs> Creaks and hurts and pops. And that's why doctors say things to us like, I'm, I'm sorry, but it hasn't gone away. It's why we get phone calls that says, I've got some bad news. Because bodies decay. People pass away. Marriages fall apart. What happens when that happens? I often have the privilege of sitting with people in those hours. And so many times I hear them, why would God let this happen? Why did God, why did, why did he do this to me? No, I, I don't say what I'm thinking. I don't say what you're thinking. Not then. Because when I hear the pain in their voice, I know exactly what they're feeling because I feel it when it happens to me. Now, either we're all hypocrites in this faith or there's something at work that we're supposed to pay attention to. Why did God do this to me? He didn't. as though somehow your family members are going to live forever. No one else does. People die. Things fail. I, I thought of this passage, and it's just really an example of what we've already said, but this is that story about Jesus moving through the town, and the crowds are pushing in, and of course a man named Jairus, a, a leader. This guy deserves God's pleasure, if anybody does. A synagogue leader. He's a He's a church leader. Came and he fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him, come to my house because his only daughter, a girl about 12, was dying. This stuff happens. And when it happens, there's no way to get away from the pain. And, and it produces a sense of Failure, something has failed, something has gone wrong. It's not working the way I thought. I think about in John 11 when Jesus got the news that his friend Lazarus was, was at the point of death and his sisters were saying, come quick, come quick. And they were saying, come quick, because they knew he could heal he, Jesus could heal Lazarus. And instead it says he hung out for a couple more days where he was. By the time he gets there, sure enough, Lazarus is dead. And then Jesus says this unusual thing. He said, you know, it's a good thing I wasn't here. Excuse me? I mean, is Jesus sadistic? He, he actually wants us to suffer? And of course, if we read the rest of the story, what he's saying is, it's good that I wasn't here because right now you, you somehow think that because I'm the son of God, I can, I can heal people who are sick. But you haven't followed that through to the end of that thought, line of thought. I don't just heal people who are sick. I conquer death. You're going to see something that most people never see. It's good that I wasn't here. 
I want to suggest that if we remember just that story, when things break in our lives, when something that you were counting on all of a sudden doesn't work, when, when, when bodies decay and diagnoses come through, if we could remember and hear Jesus saying, well, that's good, cancer's good. Because you are going to see my power in a way that otherwise you wouldn't. Now, I don't want to be glib. If you've lost someone to something like cancer, nothing takes that pain away. Except when you see them again. I've, I think we're helped if we stop and hear Jesus say, this isn't a bad thing if you can let me finish what I'm doing. So sometimes materials fail. Sometimes there's a failure of workers. Sometimes you have a labor problem. Maybe you've had labor problems. Maybe you have been a labor problem. <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. See, sometimes it's not stuff that breaks. Sometimes it's people that fail, people that we've counted on, people that made promises, people that we thought and we, we knew they knew better. And then they just fail. Now, some fails are just honest mistakes. We all make them. Oops, I am so sorry. Did I shut that door on your hand? I am so sorry. And sometimes the failures are because they lack the skills needed to do it well. That would be me at most work days. <laughs> or they haven't had the wisdom or the experience that comes along. They, they're not where they will be later. And so they mess it up. Oh, you didn't want me to cut that down? I've used the chainsaw before. The trees never fall that direction. <laughs> I have stories for each of these, but I'm trying not to share them. Okay. <laughs> but the, my friend who dropped his tree across his uh, right across the middle of his above ground pool, that's a story that you'll want to hear sometime. <laughs> they hold a lot of water. Sometimes people just don't have the skills. Sometimes they don't have the experience. In fact, Jesus seems to know that, that we're all at different places. In Matthew 25, when he's telling this parable about the, the, the business owner giving investments to his, his workers, he's going to leave town, and he gave uh, one sum to one guy and one sum to another. We'll pick it up in uh, verse 14. It says, again, it the kingdom of God, will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one of them he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. The truth of the matter is, some people have more ability than others. And so sometimes people who lack the ability or lack the skill, they fail, they 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 break something that we needed. And at the same time, some workers fail 
but because they have chosen immorally. When given the chance, they chose selfish over others focused. That's the story of Luke 15, the prodigal son. Remember? He's got a great dad. He's got a great life. He says, give me my stuff now, and I'm going to go party. And he runs off, and he spends it all in all the ways that you would expect a young man to spend it. Then he runs out of money. <gasps> isn't, that, isn't that great? <gasps> Ran out of money. Mm-hmm. Yep. Then there's a famine. Suddenly... He's feeding pigs, and he's so hungry, he wishes he could eat the stuff the pigs are eating. And we read this. In that pigsty, in that terrible situation, verse 17, and when he came to his senses, how many of you as parents have prayed that for your kids? They don't have to be teenagers, do they? They can be 40. And you pray it for your kids. How many of you have prayed it for your spouse? I wish he would come to his senses. For a good friend. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? Here I'm starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. So when I heard these reports about these killings, and, and I was shocked. Just like, how sick can people be? And my mind immediately went to what I thought they deserve. Then it occurred to me, I haven't, I haven't gotten what I deserve. So then what are you going to do, God? And, and, and what I was reminded of is, I think he said, I'm going to do whatever I can to bring them to the place where they can repent. This isn't punishment. It's grace. Some of you, some of us, I've been there. When God is working on me to get me to repent. He's not mad at me. He's not punishing me. He's trying to bring me back to himself. Let's wrap this up. So has there been a failure in your life that has disrupted the work on your spiritual renovation? Is that what got you stuck? You're stuck. Whose failure? Your failure? Somebody else's? Something didn't go the way you thought? So we have to ask ourselves some questions. First of all, is that failure God's attempt to dissuade you from to continuing to go on a sinful path? Are you sure? It's worth asking. If, if so, confess it. Yield to him. Have you been under the impression that failures don't happen to everyone else? Somehow this is your problem. Why does God always do this to me? There's somebody in this room who's been thinking that. We should all turn to that person right now and say, it's not just you. See, we tend to think our failures bring everything on ourselves. Some of you think it's all your fault. And I just want to, I think Jesus would say to you, you're not that influential. It's not all because of you. That you that's, that's more competent at sinning than you could be. In fact, it reminded me of Romans 12. Uh, verse 3, we, we read this. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. 
Let's be honest. Abraham failed. Moses failed. David failed. Peter failed. It's not just you. When you sin, it is no more scandalous to God than when someone else sins. Believe it or not, he doesn't have a higher standard for you. Do you know why? Because he knows you and he loves you. Think of yourself as you ought. Clear judgment, an increased self-awareness, being aware of the things that push your buttons. One, one writer I read recently said it this way, what is it like to be on the other side of you? Thinking clearly about ourselves. One, one famous wise person said that an unexamined life is not worth living. An unexamined life is not worth living. It was Plato, actually. I wonder if you think that's true. You see, you and I, we're not what we do. We're not simply the little actions we take. You are not what you do. But the way you do what you do, the way that I do what I do, says a lot about who I am. So as we do, as we respond to failures, or as we fail, what is it that's going on on the inside? John Calvin said that you can't know God without knowing yourself. And you can't really know yourself without knowing God. When there's a materials failure, when your battery doesn't work, when your roof leaks, how are you going to react? God, why are you doing this to me? Can you stop and go, that is how it feels, but that is not what's going on. This happens to everyone. In fact, here's a thought. The next time that you're in great pain, think about others that you've seen who've been in pain. The first thought that comes to my mind is, is this what they feel? This is terrible. This is crippling. This is horrible. This, oh. And suddenly out of our little failure that we've experienced, it happens in our life, we gain something. We gain empathy. We gain compassion. Oh, my word. I was pretty academic about people losing family members to death until I lost a few. It's no longer academic. We need to remember when those things happen that the pain that we feel that's so intense, that's what others feel. God's interested in how you're going through it. That pain is telling you about the value that you placed on that person or on that thing. You didn't know you felt that way about them until you felt this pain. And now the pain is so deep. How do you say to someone, you meant more to me than I knew. I can prove it. Look at this pain. And when things fail, when materials fail, when things go bad in your life, another thing will happen, hopefully, and that is you will really appreciate it when things don't break. Every time I start my lawnmower, I give a little praise to God. It started again. It's amazing. And even though it sounds like I'm being sarcastic here, I'm not. It's such a hassle when things break. And when they don't, I'm thankful. 
God is at work when material things, when bodies break down. He's doing something. That's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 7, about halfway through verse 7. He says this, because of these surpassing great revelations, he's basically saying, God let me see things that nobody else had ever seen. I was a spiritual rock star. But because of these great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, whoa, to torment me. Those are strong words. Did God turn away from him? He's saying just the opposite. It was intense because God loves me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Is that what you're doing? I was fine making mistakes as long as, in the end, I triumphed. But when in my life I started just plain old looking broken and looking frail, looking like I don't have what it takes, I didn't like that. I would rather be triumphant, tell you stories about struggles I've had, but not anymore. Paul says, you know what? I'm going to stay broken and I'm going to stay weak. Because that's how God shows that his strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Okay, I'm not quite there yet. A little over, over the top. But if you've been busy hiding your weaknesses, you're probably missing out on God's best. I know it's counterintuitive, but now he's delighting in his weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in failures in his life. For when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. Isn't it possible to have somebody failure, to have something fail, to have somebody pass? And in the tears and the pain, we say, Lord, I'm so thankful that you're working through this anyway. When people fail us and we are prodded, we're we're tempted to react personally, to defend, to protect, to retaliate. We're reminded of the option, again, self-focused or others-focused. Paul said this to the Philippians. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but, to the, uh, but each of you to the interests of others. This relationship with each other, he says, should have the same mindset as Christ himself. When people fail us, as painful as it is, it is, believe it or not, a chance to still keep looking out for their best to stop and ask ourselves, what is it that they're feeling? What are they going through that would cause them to react this way? What is it they think they gain by hurting me? And how can I help them? This is how I react sometimes, eventually, sort of. This is what I'm being invited to do, pursuing what God is doing. Let's close with this passage. Just the next chapter over, Paul writes this. And and actually, as we close, uh, I don't want to say a lot more. 
except to hear you hear the word of God as though it's spoken to you. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his sufferings. Becoming like him in death. It's not that I've already attained it or that I've already arrived at my goal. But I do press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. What failures would you list under that? Failures you've experienced. Failures of others. Failures that you're responsible for. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. The truth is, our flip doesn't have to be a flop. Hear this promise from the Psalms. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Doesn't mean there's no failures. Though he may stumble, he won't fall. The idea is staying down permanently. And this is why, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. If you've experienced pain, pain of failure recently, and you felt like God was far away, what he wants you to know is it's just the opposite. He would actually like to take your hand and walk you through that. It's your failure, somebody else's failure. They should have known better. Something goes wrong. It always happens to me. His hand is out. Would you just walk through this with me? And that's our option today. Let's pray. As a church body, we experience failure. Today, we thought we'd be somewhere else. But that's a small thing compared to some of the failures and the pain that you might be feeling today. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior... The pain that you feel comes from sin, which can condemn you. Jesus already died to make the payment for that sin. He offers eternal life as a gift. He gives it freely. We want you to know that and to accept him. But as followers of Jesus, has there been a a glitch in your spiritual renovation lately? Kind of embarrassed to admit it? Why? Why? You don't understand. I know better. So do I. But God is at work. Somebody else has failed you and they hurt you so deeply. You feel like I'm supposed to be stronger than this. Are you? Or will his strength show up in your weakness? You see, failure is not a big deal to God. He doesn't care so much what you're going through as how you go through it. So take his hand. God bless. Thanks for listening. Intro music by bensound.com. Visit us online at crossroads-cc.org.